Happy Fourth of July, guys. Um, we are diving into a new sermon series today called Better Together. I think there's a little graphic for it that we can throw up there. This morning, there it is. And if you look at that graphic uh, closely, you see people that you'll probably recognize in there. Some of our friends, some of the kids, some of the people who are serving in the church, a bunch of smiling faces. Um, and so what we're going to be doing over the next four to five weeks is we're taking a break from the book of Luke to look at this beautiful truth of what it means to be a church, what it means to be a church and community, what it means to be connected together, how do we do that, what do relationships look like. And the reality is that during the summer, you know, we, we go on vacations, we enjoy the nice, the warmth, we enjoy the the, uh, the mountains or the beach, a lot of us go get out of town, and it feels like, and I would say it's a good time to kind of rally the troops back together, kind of circle the wagon, so to speak, and when we do that as a church, we should do that relationally, and we should say, man, how can we invest in one another, and how can we have deep and meaningful relationships in this kind of summertime, because we know that there will become a season probably in the fall where we say, okay, we built together side by side. We stood together. We, we were in the trenches. We were praying together. We were like crying with one another. We were rejoicing with one another. And as we've built the bonds of friendship and relationship and community, we know that we still have a task to do, and that is to charge a mountain, and that is to be and make disciples of Jesus. And so in this time, strategically as eldership, we just felt like God was calling us to put a little bit of emphasis on our relational value and, and just remind us, hey, what does it mean to be the church of God that God has called us to be? So my encouragement to you this morning is to lean in this morning. We were, we were praying uh, in pre-service prayer. We pray every morning on Sundays, 920, if you want to join us. We would love to have you in there. We pray in this room back here. And part of what came through was this expectation to lean in. And somebody said, like, Michael Jackson. I don't know if you remember that video in the 80s. Annie, are you okay? Was that the name of the song? Smooth Criminal. And if you, if some of you are too young to even know who Michael Jackson is. But there was this part of the video where he was, like, so cool. He had his shirt untucked, all decked out, and he's wearing these big baggy pants, and he's got it looks like fedora on, I think, and then he would lean, and he leans all the way, and you're just like, it's humanly impossible to lean like that, and I remember as a kid going, thinking, I can do this, I could do this, and my toes would just give out, and i get a cramp or something. I tried it this morning, and my toe cramped up. That just tells you how old I am. Why am I telling you this story? Because we're meant to lean in together as a community. See, I can encourage us all till the cows come home, but if all of us lean into what God is calling us to do together as his people, man, there's going to be impact. You're going to see God do something through us and in us as we endeavor to become the people of God together. So let me pray for us, and then we'll dive in this morning. Let's bow our heads. Jesus, we thank you for your presence. We thank you that you've called us out of darkness and into your glorious light. We thank you, God, that though we were once a people that were far from you and enemies of you, God, you came in and you rescued us. And you set us on a firm foundation. And you didn't rescue us just as individuals. You placed us into your family. And you called us to call each other brother and sister. And so we here this morning who 
have surrendered our lives to you and made you Lord and Savior, we're so grateful for the fact that we don't have to do this alone, but that we have the privilege to be able to gather, to be able to be your people together on mission. And so, God, will you come and help us this morning? If some of the truths of who we are have been set on the back burner, if, if a little bit too much of me has come to the front, will you adjust our thinking? Will you adjust our hearts? Will you adjust our living this morning, God, and make us into the people that you've called us to be? And we ask this in the most precious, wonderful, beautiful, powerful name, which is the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. All right. So let's, let's jump into this. This idea of being better together, it has to launch from somewhere. We can't just like say, hey, we got this great idea. The pastors were, were like, hey, what do you guys think? I think we, we should go through the sermon series. Yes, that's a great idea. And then we just kind of come and make up our own things to like fill in the stuff. No, that's not the way this works. This idea of us being a church that's better together has to have an objective reason why we say we're better together, right? And so this morning, we're gonna, I'm going to give us three. Of course, it's always three. I'm going to give us three points of how I think Scripture is going to help us understand why we are better together. Now, I know already that the problem that we face right now is our culture, right? Culture says what? You could do everything on your own. You don't need anybody. Um, or if you want something done right, do it yourself. I, I wrestle with that. We had a garage sale. My, my birthday was last week, and my family said, what do you want for your birthday? And I said, the one thing, the one thing I really want for my birthday is that the garage would get cleaned out, and I won't have to do anything. I mean, this is like when you're 45, you don't care anymore. This is the stuff you care about, all right? You don't care about toys. You just, I wanted the garage to be clean. And I remember my wife and the family, they're doing stuff, and already the, like, the control part of me was like jumping out, and they were putting out signs. I'm like, you're doing it wrong. You're putting the signs out wrong, you're, and you're putting too much information on the sign. Someone driving 45 miles an hour cannot read the whole address. They just need an arrow that says, go this way, stupid, and it'll be really easy, right? And, my, and then my wife goes, why did you ask me to do this? And I'm like, you're right. I'm so sorry. I don't want to be involved. I don't want to have any part of it. But like everything inside me says, I got to fix this, right? And our society says, you are the answer to your own problems. You don't need anybody. If people hurt you, push them out of your life. If you uh, have an idea, you just, you be alone, it's no problem. And we felt it even this year. I mean, even the effects of isolation has just caused angst and anxiety and ugh, all this stuff inside of us. But Scripture doesn't allow us to go there. It doesn't allow us to hold on to our own preferences. It doesn't allow us the, the, the ability to say, you are an island to yourself. You are your captain of your own soul. No, actually, Scripture points us to this idea that we are a people together on a mission to make much of Jesus. And that, that, that togetherness means that we actually have to be together. And we have to, friends, believe that we're better together. 
We're better together. We are better together. As um, I remember there was a Charlie Brown comic back in the day, and um, I think, who was the one that always picked on Charlie Brown? Was it Lucy? She was the grumpy one. She's always pulling the football out from under him when he's about to kick it, all that kind of stuff. And they get in this squabble, right? And she says something like, I have something about how I have five people on a team, but when they come together, Charlie Brown, watch out, right? And here's the thing is that, yes, we can all try to live our own individual lives, have our own individual preferences, try to do everything on our own, and somehow still be connected to this thing we call the body of Christ, but in reality, we're meant to come together to be the people of God that he's called us to be. And that means we have to possibly throw out our individualism. We have to throw out the things that we prefer over other people, even our opinions, and say, Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this community, and we agree, and we affirm, and we will say yes and amen, and we will do all the things to, to promote the fact that we are better together. Now, let's just, before we jump into some scripture here, let me just give us this reasoning behind this. You know, before sin entered the world, God creates Adam. And he creates everything, and he creates all the plants, and he creates all the animals, and then he creates man on the sixth day, and he creates Adam. Now, before sin entered the world, did Adam need anything? Yes, he did. Yes, he did. See, even though the world was perfect, the Bible says that God says about Adam, he says, it is not good for Adam to be alone, for man to be alone. Therefore, I will make him a helper, a helpmate, and I will bring along Eve. And then when Adam sees Eve and he goes, whoa, this is amazing, yes. And we often think, oh, it's only because sin has entered the world that we actually need anyone. And so if I was living a perfect Christian moral life, I wouldn't need anybody because I'd be perfect. And God says, no, 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 that's the wrong way to think about Christianity. Actually, even in perfection, God created us with an intentional need because we are better together. All right. You guys doing okay? All right. So, there's this word in the Bible that has um, floated around the church for a long time, and it's this word called koinonia. Everybody say koinonia. Okay, koinonia. This, this is a Greek word. What does koinonia mean? It actually means fellowship, okay? And you'll see it in Acts chapter 2 when the, the New Testament church came together. It says they, they fellowship. They devoted themselves to the teaching of the apostles. They devoted themselves to prayer. They devoted themselves to the gathering of the saints. And what they did is they fellowshiped together. And it's this word koinonia. And so what we're going to do today is dive into if we're better together, then how are we connected? And we're connected through this thing called fellowship. So fellowship is not a hall we have at the church where we get together and have potlucks, right? You ever been a part of the fellowship hall? Fellowship is not just coming on a Sunday and having interactions with, with one another. We're going to dive in and see what fellowship is. So if you have your Bible, uh, turn to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and we're going to read a good, chunky portion of Scripture 
reading from the ESV, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. If you don't have a Bible this morning, uh, we have Bibles around the auditorium here. These are our gifts to you. You can grab one of those, and then the words will also be up on the screen. And this is what the word of the Lord says, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting in verse 12. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. Verse 14. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But, but as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And on our unrepresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. All right. So we are better together and we are meant to be connected through this thing called fellowship, koinonia, connection. So what should that look like? Well, I'm going to suggest to you just what the Bible says is that we are connected as parts of a body. We are a body. We are the body of Christ. Now, what does that mean if we are the body of Christ? Does that mean like somehow spiritually and mystically and metaphysically somehow like God appoints every single person and he identifies and he's like, Mike, you are a big toe, you know? And then like Mike's all proud of his big toeness. And, and then he says to Riley, Riley, you are, you are a wrist, because every time you play the drums, your wrists are going. So you are wrist. He's like, I'm the best wrist out there. And then, Robert, you are uh, a knee, Robert. You're just the knee, and you're just the hand. And then, like, we all say, I'm a knee, I'm a this, and this, and this. Oh, okay, yes, we can all identify that, like, in a sense, spiritually, we do different things in the body, and we all have different functions. But what the point that Paul is trying to help his church this church of Corinth understand is you're not just these individual people doing your own individual things at your own individual will and at your own individual time. You are actually, yes, you're individuals, but you're meant to be part of what is called the body of Christ. And Christ is the head of this body. And if we hear somehow this morning say that us being part of the body of Christ is just showing up on a Sunday morning filling an hour and a half of time 
and that we've done our duty as the body, we have totally and completely missed the point of what it means to be the body of Christ. Because if being the body of Christ means that we are connected in this communion together, which is koinonia, which is fellowship, which is us sharing our lives, then it means so much more than just sitting in a chair on a Sunday morning, singing some songs, listening to some guy talk for too long, and then we kind of like, hmm, what are we supposed to do with that, and go throughout our week. So let's ask the question, what does it mean to be the body of Christ. I'm so glad you guys asked that question. That is a great question to ask because guess what? I want to answer that for us, all right? So here we go. Some things. Look at what he says in verse 14. He says, for the body does not consist of one member but of many. And I would suggest here, friends, as God has called us to be better together, we have to understand that what we do affects everybody else. What you do, the decisions you make, will affect everybody in this church. Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever thought about like, man, if I I actually do this, how will it affect Mike Savaglio? If I decide to do this, how will it affect Cindy Sepulveda? If if, If I make this decision, how will Zach and Lonnie be affected by this? See, I don't know about you, but if you've ever hurt part of your body, doesn't your whole body feel it? You ever, like, stub your toe? Or parents, you ever step on a Lego at 3 a.m. in the middle of the night? What do you do? Yeah! Right? And it's throbbing, and your whole body reacts to it. And somehow we think being part of the body of Christ means that we're only connected on a Sunday morning. No, see... Let me, let me just like take a pause here, take a breath. I feel like I'm shotgunning everybody. What does it mean for us to be a church? We're, we're not like a, a, we don't have a big production here, right? There's, we don't, you don't come in and you feel like you're entering into a, a, like a, a movie theater or you're about to watch a concert and there's like this aura that we're trying to create and we're trying to impress everybody who comes in. Yeah, we're trying to do our best with what we have, but being a church means that we're not, we're not part of a, a club. We're not, we're not even a preaching center. We're not a place that for an hour and a half on a week, weekend, that you get some spiritual encouragement. That's not what we are. We are a church. And sometimes you might come into this building on a Sunday morning and go, could have done that better, right? Man, the sound sounds, or whatever, the lights are blah, blah, or Kelly bombed today, or, you know, it was like the worship felt, or somebody didn't greet me right, or the kids, I mean, we could just endlessly. But if we are putting our thoughts in somehow that a church is a Sunday morning production, we have completely lost the plot of what it means to be the body of Christ. See, the body of Christ is the body of Christ. And my knee, my my elbow isn't judging my big toe. Going, I cannot believe you big toe didn't have smoke machines and lasers. Next time you take off that shoe, I want to... Well, we don't want to see smoke coming out of your shoes, but 
I want to see like glossy and I want to see a pedicure and I want to make sure all your cuticles are just aligned right. And last, next time you take off that shoe, it better be like that or the elbow says, I'm out of here. No, that'd be ridiculous. That doesn't happen. And my encouragement to us is, friends, if we are the body of Christ, we're a church. A church is a family. And a church knows as a family, as a part of the body, it knows that whatever it does is going to affect the other part of the body. If something in my brain isn't working right, it's not going to send a signal to my heart to pump right. If something in my heart isn't pumping right, it's not going to send the blood down to my leg to be able to move and gain muscle right. I can't just isolate and think whatever I do on my own is not going to affect anybody else. It will every single time. Why? Because we are in the body of Christ. I hope this is dawning on you. I hope somehow you are thinking to yourself, man, I thought of church as a thing I go to once a week for an hour and a half, hopefully something inside you is going, church is not something I go to on a Sunday, maybe once a week. I go, I'm actually part of it. And what I do matters. You know why I love when we're all together gathered on a Sunday morning? It's not just so we can have butts and seats. It's because when the people of God, when the body of God is all gathered in one place at one time, something amazing and beautiful takes place. God's presence comes. We begin to encourage one another. We begin to hear stories of what God has done in one another. And how dare we think that we can live individual lives. Man, this is feeling cultish. I'm almost a little okay with that. I would love for people to say, man, those people at Southlands Chino really, really love each other. It feels a little awkward. I don't know if I've ever seen people who really enjoy each other that much. We go, yes, we do, because we know we're connected as the body of Christ. Amen? All right. I'm running out of time. Holy cow, I'm not even through. Verse 15 through 16 says, If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the ear should say, etc., etc., it wouldn't make it any less part of the body. You are needed. You. 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 You're all needed. I am needed in this body of Christ. Every single one of you is needed. Now, We could switch around, look at verse 21 and 22. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary. And I would just not only say you are needed, but you need others. That's how the body works. I think we're getting the point. I love this last part here. If one member suffers, verse 26, if one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Why did I bring Zach up here? Because the, there's a little bit of suffering, right? I mean, it's not easy. I mean, could you imagine your spouse being in hospital for six weeks? Six weeks. It's a long time, friends. Should Zach feel that? Absolutely. Is Callan going to feel it? Yes. Should we feel it? Yes. If you don't, 
you have no clue what it means to be part of the body of Christ. If someone has chronic illness, you go, oh, well, that's their fault. Oh, well, I hope they're okay. Maybe, maybe you know, like, uh, I'll send them a thought every once in a while. Man, you don't know what it means to be the body of Christ. And if you feel that way, too, when somebody gets something really amazing, someone gets an inheritance. And we look at them, we go, Shh, well, I, they don't really deserve it, but good for them. No! You guys, we rejoice! Woohoo! Yes! That's so amazing! Fred Chambers got an inheritance! That's so cool! What are you going to do with that, man? I don't know. I'm just so excited. I might buy a Corvette. Dude, that's going to be the sweetest Corvette ever! I'm saying that because he's middle-aged, and so that's what middle-aged men do, is they get Corvettes. We are not in competition with one another. We are the body of Christ. When somebody hurts, we all feel it. When somebody rejoices, we don't get all, like, jealous. If my ear, my right ear, started hearing, hearing very well, my left ear shouldn't go, well, I'm going to stop hearing then. How stupid would that be? No, we're meant to encourage, rejoice, suffer with one another. Why? Because we're better together. How are we better together? We're connected as the body of Christ. That's number one. All right, so how else are we connected? How else are we better together? Well, number two is our gatherings. Our gatherings, and let me, let me just say this before we go into some scripture. Yeah, our gatherings. Why don't we call this a service? I mean, you know, that's the Christian word, service, right? And it's, it speaks, it gets into our lingo, and we, we say, hey, did you, did, what'd you think of service, and all these things. Actually, I want to help us get away from that word. And if you've ever said it, I'm not, no one's going to poo-poo on you, you know, that's okay. Um, but my encouragement is, let's use the word gatherings. I think that's better. What's a service? A service is you go into Jiffy Lube, and you are a consumer at Jiffy Lube. And you drive in, and what do you expect at Jiffy Lube? You expect them to, you're going to pay them some money, and they're going to do a service for your car, something that you don't want to do and you can't do. And what do you expect? You expect excellence. You expect that car to have the oil change in a certain amount of time. And you expect the, the, the rugs to be vacuumed. I think Jiffy Lube still does that. I have no idea. I haven't done that yet. For a while. But when, you, when we call this a service, it comes into our mind that somehow that I am providing, or the pastors or the leadership here is somehow providing a service to you as if you're not part of the church. No, this is not a service. If anything that we're serving is God, that's it. That's it. This is a gathering of the saints. This is a gathering of the body of Christ. This is not a time where we should come in and think about and judge whether we like how loud the music is or how bright the lights are or how the ambiance feels or how it, my chair seems like it has wax on it from last Christmas Eve from somebody spilling it on it. How care dare they do something like that? You know what that is? That's called consumerism. That's not who we're called to be. See, we're called to be a body that gathers. This is what the book of Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews says in chapter 10, verses 24 through 25. He says, hey guys, listen. 
let us consider, let's think about that. Let's ponder on that for a moment. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day, capital D, drawing near. What's the day? Drawing near. It's when Jesus is going to return. He's going to make all the bad stuff good. He's going to turn evil upside down, and he's going to rescue, and he's going to set right, and we're going to be in glory. So I know a lot of pastors have used this to try to manipulate people to come to church. And we all go, man, you're just, this morning, you just want me to be at church. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, what kind of pastor wouldn't want you to be at church? It'd be weird. If, if I didn't want you to be here, you should go somewhere else. If I have a deep longing for you to be here, you thank you. And sometimes we go, oh, well, you're just saying that. But it's, I want to, like, let's look more deeply into what the writer of Hebrews is saying. If you notice, he says, let us consider what? How to stir up one another to love and good works. See, when we gather on a Sunday or in community groups or we just had a end-of-the-year barbecue grill out and we had amazing food and fun and there were cake fights and just shenanigans happening and people brought cookies and dessert and we were all saying, oh, you look tan and all this stuff. And like, Thank you very much. All this kind of stuff was happening. When we do that together, it's not so that we just like an affinity group that enjoys each other's company. We are a group of people that are coming together who enjoy each other's company to what? To stir each other up. To stir up the pot. Yeah. So when we gather together on a Sunday, what should be happening? Is it me just talking the whole time and you just listening and then we're going home in our own little ways? No. What's supposed to happen? Why do we start? Why do we open the doors a little early? Why do you think we would do that? Why don't we just keep the doors closed until what time do we start? Nine o'clock. Is that what time we start? Ten o'clock. Some guy out there. Ten o'clock. Ten o'clock. Ten o'clock. Oh, ten o'clock. Not ten o'clock yet. You're just going to have to wait. Why don't you just actually, why don't you just wait in your car? Why don't we do that? Because we're trying to stir each other up to good love and good works. So we open up the doors. This is a space for doing that. And so hopefully maybe you come a little early and you're greeting one another and you're saying, hey, how was your week? And encouraging one another, what? To good works and love. We're not just a room to come and sit down and listen and be entertained and go home. But you also see here that the writer of Hebrews says, that we're encouraging one another. We're encouraging one another. We're saying, man, I have this deep conviction that I am part of the body of Christ. And when, the, when Paul writes to the Corinthian church, he says you're part of the body. And when one person suffers, we all suffer. And when one person rejoices, we all rejoice together. I am coming to part of the body as knowing that I am here to encourage my brothers and sisters in Christ. Because I know that there's going to be people who come through the doors this morning who need some encouragement. Encouragement. Who's going to need something like, I don't have any of the answers, but this is what I do have. Can I pray for you? Or can I just give you a hug? Or maybe just a shoulder to cry on? Or maybe I'm just going to smile? Or maybe I'm going to, I don't know, I don't know what it is. How can we encourage one another? 
See, we open up the doors, and guess what we're going to do after we're done here? You think we're, somebody's going to go, lights off, AC off, doors shut, everybody get the heck out of here. I don't know, what's the saying? You don't, you can't, you don't have to go home, but you can't stay, I don't know, I just butchered that, sorry. You understand what I'm saying. And every week we just kind of give a nod, we play closing time as the song, closing time, hopefully people will get the hint. No, we stay, we linger. Why? Because we're here to encourage one another. How is it, brothers, when you gather, this is happening every time. So I think a couple things here in our gatherings. One, we need to hold dearly and eagerly our gatherings. Dearly and hopefully, there's part of you that goes, man, I can't wait I cannot wait for Sunday morning. I cannot wait. Yeah, I know Kelly's going to go long, but that's okay. I can put up with that. I can't wait to see my brothers and my sisters. I can't wait to tell them about how good God is. I can't wait to hear about the other stories about God's goodness. And then I can't wait to be there for somebody. I can't wait to be able to join in to the fellowship of the saints as the body of Christ. What a privilege this is to be able to do this. Guess what we're celebrating today? We're celebrating our nation's birthday. What comes with that? Freedom. What comes with that freedom? Freedom to gather. See, we're taking this right now for granted. Maybe not. Maybe not. But most of us got up today without any hardship of coming together to gather. There was no police knocking on your door, checking where you were going. There was nobody following you and bugging you to make sure you weren't gathering to listen to the word being preached today. That might happen one day. I don't know. Do I want that to ever happen? No. God, please keep this nation free. But it could go that way. It could. Some people would love that. What are we going to do? What are we going to feel? Are we going to look back on July 4th, 2021 and go, why did I not think more highly of the gathering of the saints? Why did I ever take this for granted? Why did I ever think this was just normal Christianity to be able to sit for an hour and a half? Oh, Lord, I just long for the freedom. I long for a room full of people singing together your praises and to be able to hear their voices lifted up and to be able to hear shouts of hallelujah and people clapping their hands and people talking and interacting with one another and encouraging one another and stirring each other up to good, good, to good works and love and encouraging one another through this. God, I, I'm sorry I took it for granted. Let us not be those people, friends. Let us not be those people. If we are better together, then our gatherings need to reflect it. And that's got to start from our heart where we say, what a privilege, how beautiful it is when we get together. Guess what? That's not just Sunday morning. Some of us might go out to a restaurant today. You're going to gather together. Will you encourage one another, please? Will you stir one another up to good works and love? Will you be the church that God's called you to be, together, gathered as the body of Christ. <sighs> Amen? 
All right. Last one. And we'll end here, I think. <laughs> we're better together, not only just as the body of Christ, we're better together in our gatherings, but we're better together because we are meant to have deep and meaningful relationships. Deep and meaningful relationships. Let me, let me just say this. The idea of church being something that you can frequent without being something that you don't engage in is a concept that is very foreign to Scripture. There's no such thing in the Bible. The idea of our individualism and our consumeristic culture and mindset being something that we can put to the forefront of how we interact with one another is something actually, it's the antithesis of what Scripture says that we are meant to be as we're better together, as we're connected together. It's the opposite of that. Actually, what Scripture would say, if we were to like, take that word koinonia, which is fellowship, the English word fellowship, if we were to double-click on it this morning, if you were to like, have it on your computer and, and then open it up and like, give you all of the, the, uh, the objective things that come with koinonia, not one of them would say, just show up for an hour and a half, compartmentalize your life relationally, and only give yourself maybe a little bit once a week to this group of people that you call yourself the church. It wouldn't say anything like that. It wouldn't say anything like drive home and push the button on your, on your car garage door opener, drive in, and then before you get out of your car, push it again so it's behind you and you don't have to say hi to anybody. It wouldn't say anything like that. See, what it would, koinonia, this idea of fellowship, is this sharing of our lives. That's why I wanted to encourage you, fellowship is not a hall in the church where we have a potluck. Fellowship is deep and meaningful relationships. Fellowship is us being vulnerable with one another. And I would, I would even say, friends, if, you, if some of your deepest relationships are not in this local body, you're not understanding what it means to be in a local body. I'm not trying to tell you you can't have deep and meaningful relationships that are outside of this church. We should all have that. That's normal humanness. But normal Christianity, normal churchness, is also having some of the deepest and meaning, most meaningful relationships in the church. Why? Because this is your body. It would be weird for part of my body not to be relationally connected to another part of my body. As if my hand's like, well, I have this group of friends over there. And then this hand was like, well, actually, I have this group of friends, and I have bad shoulders, so this over here. And the two never ever meet. No, see, the body is connected together and so it's life source, it's sustenance, where it gets blood from, where it gets strength from, all of those things are within the same source. And if we somehow are saying, showing up once a week 
for an hour and a half is my due diligence about being, where do you go to church? Southlands Chino. Well, what do you do? I show up every Sunday. I'm consistent. Well, okay, what does that mean then? Surely it's got to be more than just what we're doing right now. See, in fellowship and koinonia, there should be a sharing of our lives. Some of the deepest and most meaningful relationships should be here. Does that mean we, we go back and we sign up on a roster and say, who's going to be my deepest friends? And like we all got to get five. No, that's weird. That's like, that's cultish, okay? We're not doing that. But what we are going to do is invest. What we should be doing is spending time with one another. That's why I say this isn't just church here Sunday morning. Church should be everywhere we go together. Church should be every time you have people in your homes. When's the last time you confessed sin to somebody in this church? Where you said, brother, sister, I'm struggling. That's a deep and meaningful relationship. That's what we're supposed to do with one another. When's the last time somebody's confessed sin to you? And said, please don't judge me. I need somebody who will support me and pray with me and encourage me and stir me on to good works and love. If it's been a long time, I would say you probably don't have very many deep and meaningful relationships in the church. It's where they're supposed to be. When's the last time you were really honest and vulnerable to someone here? When's the last time somebody called you at 3 a.m. and freaking out? When's the last time you called somebody? And I'm not telling you to have drama, okay? That's not what I'm saying. Lord knows we don't need any more drama. I think you hear what I'm saying is that this church should be a safe place. It should be a confine where we're able to say, I can say and be and act and live my reality and be honest of who I am. I think that's why some people enjoy this church, to be honest. I mean, we try our best not to put on a show. We do. I'm just like, I'm not going to do it. We're not going to be the sexiest church out there. I said sexy. It's okay. We're not going to be the church that has the biggest budget to be able to have, like, Disney animatronic characters for your kids in ministry. Hello. That's not going to happen on Sundays. It's going to be a human going, we love your kids. All right. This is what Proverbs 18.24 says. A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And I would suggest Southlands Chino, we're in danger of this, not living it out, is that it's easy to have companions, it's easy to have connections, it's easy to have Facebook friends, or Instagram followers, or people that you go to community group with, or whatever, it's easy for those things. But what scripture says is that a, there's one who sticks closer than a brother. And there's a difference between companions and brothers and sisters. And if you're a Christian, and if you call Southlands Chino your home, guess what? Everybody who does the same is your brother and your sister. How do we treat brothers and sisters? Hopefully, we're supposed to share our lives with them. We're supposed to share our stuff with them. We're supposed to share our hearts with each other. We're supposed to encourage one another. So this means we're vulnerable it means we spend time together. We intentionally make time to do this. And I would say 
You can't call yourself the body of Christ if you're not willing to be the body of Christ. It's easy to put the label, I'm part of the body of Christ. It's harder to live out being the body of Christ. I'm speaking to myself, but I'm speaking to all of us here. This is who God's called us to be. He's called us to be his church. And if we are not convinced that we are better together, please, please, will you ask God for a heart for one another? There's going to be lots of opportunities this summer to be able to join in and to Michael Jackson lean in to community. We're going to try to create some events. But hopefully this happens organically. And I would say to you, if you're the kind of person who's reserved and you have your rhythm and you like everything neat in a row, can you allow God to mess up your life a little bit? Can you allow God to say, hey, you should uh, just call somebody today and say, hey, let's get coffee. Why do you want to get coffee? Just because I want to hang out. Why do you want to hang out? Do you want to tell me something? No, I just want to be friends. See, we shouldn't be all freaked out if we want to hang out with one another. Every time, I don't know why, if, it's, if I'm the pastor, I go, hey, can we connect for coffee? And they're like, what did I do? And I'm like, <laughs> nothing. Sometimes, sometimes. And I would just end here, guys, is some of you here would say, but I've been hurt. I've put myself out there before. I've, done, I've been hurt by the leadership. I've been hurt by people in the church. And I would say, I am very sorry. That is true. And it, it could happen again here at Southlands Chino. But the beautiful thing is about the cross, it doesn't just forgive your sin. The cross forgives the sins that have been committed against you. See, the cross, the cross empowers you to not live as a victim. Where you're able to say, Lord, this has been done to me, but your blood is bigger, it's more beautiful and it gives more value than the things that have been done to me. That's the ultimate thing that's been done to me. Is like brought me out of darkness into light. And yes, people will hurt me. I guarantee you're going to get hurt in this church. Hey, hey, you all excited about that? I guarantee there will be opportunity for your feelings to be hurt somehow. Or you to be upset with somebody. That's just reality. But through the blood of Christ, through the finished work of Christ, we're able to forgive one another. And we're able to say, Lord, I've been hurt, but my, my hope is not in that person. My hope's in you. And so I'll just keep giving even if I don't get reciprocation. I'll keep going even if somebody doesn't go toward me. I'm going to go toward them. Why? Because that's what Jesus did for all of us. He didn't, he didn't say, oh, because you came to me, I'm going to go to you. No, Jesus went to us in spite of us walking away from him. And so that's the kind of community we're meant to be, is the kind of community that goes to each other. Could you imagine if all of us were trying to outdo one another in friendship? You want to be my friend? Oh, I want to be your best friend. No, you're going to be my best friend. We would, this would be an awesome community. It would be, it'd be weird, but it would be awesome. All right, let's stand together this morning.